Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, welcome in, Izzy Kempe for Breakfast SCNZ. How's Andy talking? Rural Roundup. He's got Joey B back in the kitchen, nice and early. Good to see Joey up and about. But uh, it's a new part of our show that we plan during the week mornings, weekday mornings at uh, 5.33 to 6, just to give you that little bit extra. That's what we love to do here on SCNZ. That's a big shout-out to the crew up there in Auckland. you got Kempe. You got Ricardo, you got Aroha, and you got Kez running that kitchen hot. Speaking of hot, boys, it's red hot down here. Woo! <laughs> you look cold. You look cold. What's going on? <laughs> mate, it's red. I tell you what, it's a sea of red down there. And your, and your little fat air, mate, these are Crusaders. They're going to need as much support as they can get, including yours. All right? Including yours against the Chiefs this week. Hey, it just got me thinking, mate, last night about how... Mm. Uh, how much support the Crusaders actually have because that is honestly like we're talking about the World Cup not getting any info what, whatsoever at the moment the Crusaders are getting so much uh, I get support guess support players coming back from injury um, the big one too mate and no one's mentioned this yet Daggy and, and I know that you would know it but someone's playing their 350th first class game on the weekend and that man Sam Whitelock obviously is headed, headed away afterwards Mate, if, if if they needed a final game at home and your skipper and your coach leaving as motivation, whew, I tell you, it's you've got to tune in. This has got to be the this has got to be the game before the final that everyone has to watch. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to see that happening, um, Kempi, but I think they're going to have to do it without Sam Whitelock. I think they're going to have to do it without Sammy Whitelock and, and the great man. Um, they are depleted at the moment. It is a tough ask for this Crusader side. The only thing on their side is obviously history and, and knowing 
what to do in playoffs times. They have won 27 out of 27 playoff games at home. So they have to really lay uh, lay on that and try and, you know, use that as as some sort of motivation. motivation. This is a fully strength Blues outfit that is coming down to um, Christchurch and taking on a pretty depleted um, Crusaders outfit. But Sammy Whitlock, man, what a servant. What a servant. We've got no Patrick Tuipolotu and no Sam Derry. Oh, Crimea River. <laughs> wow. Come on, mate. You're just Crimea nervous. River. Crimea River Red. You're just nervous because you know that O's going to go this weekend. <laughs> I think the Blues are dead set favourites, for sure, coming down. But, look, honestly, if a team can get through this, you can't, you can't write the... The Crusaders off. They'll they'll believe in themselves. No matter which man is stepping up next, they'll know that. But I'm a you know realist, and and I know that they're under the pump. And if they do go on and do this, it will be a hell of a surprise. But um, you just got to look at, at history, and and for me, you take a lot from from what's gone on in the past. But look, I'm going to say if they do this, and they are able to get to that final, and even push. Potentially the Chiefs if they beat the Brumbies, this might go down as as one of the the best ever. Considering what has gone on, they've always had a fully strength side in the last seven Crusades. But this one, <laughs> go through that team name and, and name them, and you'd be like, "Wow, I did not think he'll be starting. I did not think he'll be playing. Who's this kid? What does he do? Where's he from?" That's kind of the the names you're talking about when when you're playing a semi final. But Rick Dog, you'll be confident, mate. You've got to find some confidence in something. Well, I mean, beat you down there last year, right? So th- that, that, that's a good start. That's a good start. Round um, Robin. Well, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, that's all right. It's better, better, nah. better, better, better round Robin than not at all. Mate, is, uh, there, any, is there any merchandise <laughs> left down there in Canterbury? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it looks like every flag has been bought and put in your studio. <laughs> no, I, um, I got given a... a I bought a, a lot, a couple of boxes of, of gear, posters and balls and flags. So I'm just going to go hand them out. I'm going to give some to the kids, take to school, and uh, I'm going to go to a daycare down here and drop them off for the young kids. I think there's about 40 of them. So I'm, I'm giving them all away, but Mandy obviously found them in my truck, and she's put them up all over the studio. Look, it's quite embarrassing. I, I didn't ask for it, lads. Sure. I didn't ask for it. Sure. I didn't ask for sure. it. But, well, uh, mate, we got one. Bl- we got you know, like there's me and Rick Dog up here. We got one blues flag up. Can you see it? One blues yeah, flag. Yeah. We ain't got four hundred up there. Like you can't, you can't hide the fact that uh, the blues are coming to town. Mm. But, and, and you know what, Izzy, I'm I'm a little bit worried to be honest. I'm a little bit worried because there's all this talk about Bodie Barrett, Damian McKenzie, and Richie Moonga mm. being picked in the in the All Black team at 10 and 15, and one of them will be sitting on the bench. Okay, so all this talk at the moment, I've been listening to all the so-called experts over the last couple of weeks, and they keep talking about 10 and 15, and they talk about this this second ball player. You know, so you're talking about the 10 needing help from your 15 and being a ball player that you guys have always, a lot of the players I've found, the ex-players, is basically saying it doesn't work. It doesn't work against the Northern Hemisphere, but they're still going to go with it. My question to you is, if the players and the ex-players are saying that it doesn't work and they should look at something different, why are we persisting with it? Um, I think it's a bit of an ego 
thing. You know, they've, they've tried it. Um, you know, that's something that they've, they've spoken about. So it's kind of, you know, when you say something, you got to walk the talk and not take a step back. Um, I think that comes into to factor. Maybe on the other side, our drivers or our 15s that are playing in the country aren't driving the ship as, as well as they need to compared to a 10. So they've probably seen that in, that comes into factor. But the reality is um, they've tried it. They tried it at 2019. Didn't work. 10 and 15. Richie at 10, Bodie at the fullback. We obviously, it, it worked in, in patches, but, you know, they left a guy out called Ben Smith who goes pretty bloody well. And uh, I think that came back to bite them in the bum in that, fi- in that semi-final. So, um, yeah, look, uh, for me personally, I'd like a dead set fullback to be playing that position. Someone that is playing fullback, they can drive the ship. Yes, they may not be as classy as a, as a 10 or a Bowden Barrett or very confident at, at really driving the game. But they, the basic side of it is when there's a ruck in the middle or there's a little bit of a short side, maybe 10, 15 minute, metres, you've got to have a person in that one position that is good at seeing space, good at communicating and good at getting the ball to space. And it's not just throwing passes and throwing kicks, uh, kicking the ball. It's actually been a genuine threat on that left-hand side. So when you go forward, you can draw on those defenders. I can see a Will Jordan doing that. I can see, uh, you know, a Sean Stevenson being that threat. They are drivers. They can drive a game. But, um, you know, when you've got players like Richie Moonga and Bowden Barrett involved in a team, it's a, it's a simple case of trying to find somewhere where they both can play. And I think, if I'm going to be honest, I think that's where Fozzie is heading. Do I agree with it? No. I reckon they should play out and out fullback mm. and fullback. And that's what I want. So, so when you say ego, are you saying the coach's ego or the player's ego needs to be in there? Which, which, well, which is which? I think it's the coach. It's the coach's egos. Yeah, you know the, the selectors, the ones that come up with the game plan. This is in their mind. This is their game plan. They want a driver, uh, two drivers out on the park. So when they've said that. It's hard for them to go away from it. They want a double, what would they look? Dual pivots. Dual you know, pivots. Dual that's pivots. right. Yep. That's that's what that's what they want. Yep. So and when they come, when they say that, it's Richie and Bowden. Dual pivots. Dual so tens. I just want to I just want to finish off by saying this because when I've listened to it the last couple of weeks, and I thought I'd bring it up this morning because you've played fullback for the All Blacks and and done a pretty good job at it, their out and out fullback role. It was all right. When it, when you look at it from a say Andy Farrell's perspective, you know what I mean? So I'm looking at it from a rugby league perspective because what you do is you look at the offence of a side and you Mm. design your defence around it. Now I understand why they put a rush defence on. Because when you have a dual pivot, what you've lost in the all-black side is you've lost the runner because the dual pivot role gives you two pivots who are looking for space. And what the defensive coach coaches will do is chop the inside and the and the direct defender at the first pivot and then chop the inside and the direct defender at the second pivot and it takes two runners out. And then the one-on-one defenders just aim up and make the tackles from them passes. So I don't think they've taken into account the defensive um, mindset of the likes of Andy Farrell and that rush defence. And you're dead right. I've got to say... If you can see it from this um, stand stand at the moment, Andy Farrell will be rubbing his hands together going, well, I already know how to defend it. For this to work, Kempe, um, 
you, you have to have double-sided attack. And what I mean by that, you have to be able to cover all spaces on the park. You cannot be a one-dimensional team that will go same way, same same way. You've got to be creative there. But for that to work as well, we have to be creative with our attack. And when I say that, it's our phase attack. At the moment, we've got you know the runners off nine. You've got the big boys and the, and the locks that are using that tip ball. And you've got a, a pivot out the back that's going into the middle of the park. Is that going to work? Well, probably not, because teams have seen that for the last six or seven years. So we've got to be creative with our play, our style of play. But when it comes to that as well, we've actually got to be dominant at the game line. We have to find a way to get behind these teams, put them on the back foot, because a team like Ireland, they cannot rush when they're going backwards. You have to get a team on the back foot. So for that double-sided play to work, we've got to find ways to get them going backwards. And we haven't been able to do that in the last couple of years. And that, that's the only downside to, to what it is. But, mate, look, it'll be interesting to what Fozzie's got planned and, and if there is going to be any dramatic changes. Have we got enough time? Well, unsure. I don't even know if they've had a camp yet. I was going to say, is it, I don't know if this is right, but I, I, I'd like to get your take on it. Is it feels like, you know, you talk about this, what went wrong at 2019, do you think? You think Fozzie's still trying to win the last World Cup, and that's what's holding him back? <laughs> oh, there's been a lot going on in there. There's been a lot going on. Um, we know what happened. He just had the wrong cattle in those uh, in those leading roles. He's made big changes in the group now, and we saw signs last year with Jace Ryan's impact. That full pack went totally different to when uh, you know Plumtree was in there. So. Ah, four years since 2019, that's a lot of time. And have, is, have we done enough variation? Have we changed up a few things no, going to France to give us a head start? Probably not. Do, it no, feels like we're doing the same thing. That's why I asked the question, you know. Mm. Well, it does, around the, it does around the double pivot. Like, And def- you know, def- defensive coaches will have that all sorted out. And the way to get people on their back foot is you need – that's why you need a Geordie Barrett at 12. You need a, a Sean Stevenson, those guys that can punch holes, the Mark Talia, to put, to put them on that back foot. I just you're going to lose p- blokes that can do that by putting the two pivots together. Mm. I just me personally now that I've really listened and got it, got an understanding of why guys are saying what they do, especially explaining saying it doesn't work. I can now see why. Like Sean, Ste- Sean Stevenson, those guys that can punch holes in lines, they need to be in there because they're bending the line and they're keeping the the opposition going backwards. A Geordie, a, um, a Bodie Barrett, and a Richie Moonga ain't going to do that for you. Not with a really good defensive coach. He's going to shut them down. You, you need um, also just quickly. You need that, that. You want that fifteen. Like when you're in the fifteen position, you can control the game. You can kick the ball. You can drive. But you need someone that's got a bit of flair too. You need that person so they can just create something out of nothing. You know that that, that can break a game open. And, and we've got plenty of game breakers in the country that are playing that fullback position. That's probably the difference. You do not want to be just a robotic person that's in that first receiver that is just going to pass the ball, pass the ball, kick the ball, kick the ball, and become a robot. I've been there. I got told to be this person on the short side, looking after the short side, becoming a robotic. And um, yeah, it's 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 not the it's it's not the way. But um, yeah, look look at Ireland's game, mate. Like what they they play a lot off ten Sexton. He runs across the field. He dummy cuts a little undercutter coming through. It's usually a seven, and then he's got two props outside him, and he's got a ten out, uh, a twelve at the back. 
So he's got three options there to run off 10. And it's different. It's a different picture. It's not just your normal let's hit the big boys, run a tip runner or out the back door, which works. There is a place for it in the game, but not every time. Mm, yeah. No, that's, uh, I was going to say that's interesting. Because I, I think, too, as a coach, you've got to look at you got to look at your own team and think, if I was defending this team, what's the thing that I would least like to have to deal with? Mm. You know? Unpredictability is what a defensive coach hates dealing with. When you throw it to a player and you know, you, it's like Sonny Bill Williams, okay? So Sonny Bill Williams is unpredictable. Israel Dag, you give him the ball and then all of a sudden he decides, I'm going to skip past two of my own attackers and go past four of your defenders and throws the lines into disarray. That's what a defensive coach hates. Predictability, and that's what, this is basically the conversation and why I brought it up this morning, is what is happening. It goes pivot to pivot, tip on to tip on, and it is so predictable for a defensive coach to work it out and shut it down. Like you got, you, they're going to need a. Um, un, that's Mark Talia. Give me the ball. I'm going to run and shrug off four players and don't know where I'm going to end up, but I'm going through the line. Like Mark Talia is the first bloke that you'd want on your offensive team. Mm. And that's how you have to look at it. From my perspective, you have to look at your offensive team. What is my offensive team that's going to beat this defensive line? And as he basically has just said and confirmed, like every other pundit who's who's played the game at that level, it doesn't work. I don't, don't know why the coaches are persisting with it. I just don't, I don't get it. Time will tell. Time will tell, Kempi. Um, there's still, what, 100-odd days going forward to, to the World Cup, maybe 90. And um, we're hoping – I've still backed this team 100%. I'm right behind them. I hope that they can come up with – well, some the, the biggest questions is as if we can compete with size. The size of the French outfit over there are just monsters. You've got Ireland, like we're just probably lacking in the size department. But on the flip side, when it comes to playing size, we played South Africa for many years. What do you do? You run them round. You run them tired, and you play a game that is expensive, and and is can can manipulate the defence. So, time will tell, lads. But uh, plenty going on in the sporting world. We're going to be talking to Michael Venice later on about the tennis French Open. We've got uh, Casey Frank talking NBL, and obviously the NBA, the finals taking place. Can the Nuggets Joker get the job done? And just I don't know. What's going on here? But country clueless. I might have done something clueless at home. No surprises here. <laughs> Hopefully got some help for you, Izzy. But before we get into all of that, let's do this. Can't wait question of the day. All right, boys. Mail out of Australia is that Nico Hines is going to get the axe ahead of game two, which seems unbelievable given that he got 10 minutes off the bench at centre when he's a half. But that is the mail that is coming out. So my question for you, the Conway question of the day, who starts at halfback for the Blues in Origin Game 2? I'll get your answers after this. It's 6.21, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Cleanse, brighten and hydrate your skin with Revolution Man Skin Care from Chemist Warehouse, starting from 11.69. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. It is 6.26 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. 0800 150 is our number. Or you can text us double eight double three. That is the Temperate Bedpost text machine. Temperate Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Boys, can't wait. Question of the day. A mail out of Aussie. Nico Hines is getting the axe ahead of Game 2 of Origin. Who starts at halfback for the Blues? 
Ooh, that's a, a that's a million dollar question isn't it, at the moment. You'd you'd think that uh, you'd go with Reynolds. You know, he's sitting number two in the comp, and you go with um, his old partners because you got you're going to put Damian Cook into into dummy half. He's going to replace uh, Curacao. That's a that's a given. Um, but where, where does if Nico Hines gets dropped, where does that mean Luai stays in the side, or do you, you know, do you actually change if you're going to put Reynolds in? Do you change it back to a, a South Sydney spine? And the other one coming out of there too is he's gone for another Penrith player um, to come off the bench as well. It, it looks like the Penrith connection will stay, um, Ricardo. Mm. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, you know, because you got Cody Walker's injured. Mm. Uh, Reynolds obviously is out of favour. You'd have to think that Mitchell Moses, um, the way that Parramatta going at the moment, Mitchell Moses is playing all right, and he's played for New South Wales. Uh, last year, he gets another shot at it. So I would like to think that you'd put Reynolds in there. I think he deserves it, but I, I reckon Freddie's going to go with Mitchell Moses. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, uh, inside running, isn't it? Yeah, it's the inside, inside running. Inside running, and they've Oh, Nico, Nico Hines has been dropped. What? Why? Why has he been dropped? He's done nothing he's wrong. Done nothing wrong. <laughs> nothing wrong, Rick. This is your team. What's going on? Mate, I have no idea. I, I tell you what's going wrong is they got Freddie Fittler as coach. Yeah, look, and, I'm, and he's <sighs> and he's using Penrith's model and going with mm. you know um, Lenu who's meant to be coming in. The guy that took on on Jared Warrior Hargraves is the hard man replacing Tavita Pangai. That's a talk coming out of Sydney, but. Yeah, he's gone now from, oh, no, we need one hooker to play 80 minutes and I'm going to carry Nico Hines on there who gets put on in centres, gets towed up by Munster um, down that left left edge when they score that winning try, uh, and he gets dropped for that that positional change that he had to make. You must have known that Nico Hines would have had to cover you in centres if one of your centres wow. or went down. So I, I just think that it's pretty poor form that he has to go um, and to replace him. I reckon Nico Hines gets replaced with another hooker. I, rec- I think mm. now he goes well because everyone out of Sydney, um, including Matty Johns, has come. You can't play an eighty-minute hooker at Origin at that speed. And he, I'm, I've got to agree with him. I don't think you can play an 80, 80 minute hooker at that speed. Look at look at how well Queensland go bringing Grant off the bench and starting with Ben Hunt. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I think that's solid, man. Uh, there's a, there's a few here uh, that have come through some texts. Um, the reigning Daly M not getting a start. That is classic New South Wales. Being at Suncorp, <laughs> maybe Reynolds. I just hope it's not Mitchell Moses for my fantasy team's sake. Um, uh, Lee has sent one of this one through. It's a no-brainer, boys. Benny Elias' nephew. Awesome game last night. Yeah, Mitchell Moses was superb. The Eels towelled up uh, the Cowboys last night, and he was absolutely on fire. Uh, so it sounds like Mo- maybe it's going to be a Reynolds-Moses pairing. And, the, and because he's left it till 11 o'clock, this morning to name the team, it's, it's, it means that you have to wait to see whether or not Moses got through the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, that's the other thing. Uh, the Queensland side have just got the wood on them in everything. They name their team first. You know, they 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 just talk about the old boys in and the old boys in first. They, you know, they, everything that the Queensland team do are just ahead of New South Wales. I think it's panic stations for Freddie, Freddie at the moment. I think this is, uh, mate, if he just gets this one wrong, then... It's bye bye after this game for Freddie. You're looking at I'm looking at this expected New South Wales team. It's same. It's the same team. Obviously Mitchell Moses Moses inclusion at seven. But you look at the back line, and this is the question for you, Kempi. Josh Adokar, has he done enough to keep Stephen Crichton out? No, look, I I don't think. Oh, look, I th- I think what's happened even with that, and this is where you've got a sort of you know. I guess grow a couple. 
is Josh Adokar is one of those players that got left out last year and uh, is probably because of all the all the press being put back in the side. Because you you got to remember, he came back from injury, played one game to make the New South Wales side. So he's yeah. not being picked on form. He but looks that, a bit undone, eh? Yeah, and this is the problem with New South Wales. Like, Queensland have picked this on in form. Like, they're just replacing players with players on in form. You know, um, whereas New South Wales, like, their players... Yeah, well, Mitchell Moses is playing okay. I still don't think Jerome Luai is a better 5'8 than Nico Hines. Um... Do you still leave Tom Trebojevic back there? You know, James Tedesco is under pressure after game one, and then all of a sudden he's got, his whole forward pack has been changed because Tavita Pangai, who he shouldn't have picked in the first game, didn't show up. Did you? Did yeah. you? I don't know whether this is true, but did you hear what Jake Trebojevic said? No. Like he's just he said he basically said you know he's got to grow a couple. Tavita Pangai, he's in my jersey. It's no good hanging out with gang members and and but and having the and having the good faded haircut. You actually got to show up. <laughs> <laughs> and I good. Actually, and I, I actually, love that. I actually did laugh. I thought, mate, Jake Jabojevic needs to be back in there, <laughs> but, but he's injured. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, I just think you know you've got a heavy influence again of Penrith in there. Like Crichton should be in the starting lineup. Let's you know, let's not mm. let's not um, beat around the bush with that. And Liam Martin, you know, how does he make it because of his concussion on the weekend? But he's going to be in there. But then you add another Penrith guy. Like, come on, Freddie. Yeah, what are you doing? Why don't we just get Ivan Cleary to coach the That's bloody what, team? Well, see, no one ever talks about Ivan coaching New South Wales. He's got to be the he's got to be the front runner, doesn't he? He's got to be. He's got to be. I mean, he's, he's he's doing it by proxy at the moment anyway. Freddie's just copying everything he does. So, I mean, that's 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 kind of how it looks. Um, you're on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. It is six thirty three. Time to get away to the latest in news and sport with Araha. Thanks to Kubota, they're building and shaping New Zealand. Twenty-five away from seven o'clock. Uh, time for some sports news headlines. Thanks to Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. West Tigers halfback Luke Brooks leaked, looks set to sign with Todd Payton's new uh, North Queensland Cowboys for 2024 and beyond. That's according to Phil Rothfield, who said Brooks is likely to join his former under-20s coach up in Townsville. He's rejected an extension offer from the Tigers of around 550000 per season and is heading to the open market. D-Day has finally arrived for St George Illawarra in terms of who takes over the helm of the rudderless Red V for 2024. The St George Illawarra board meeting today will take a show of hands from the eight-member board about who the next Dragons coach should be. As of Friday last week, Shane Flanagan was the $1.40 favourite with the Aussie bookies to take on one of the toughest jobs in the NRL, given the way St George Illawarra are currently being run. No guarantees. All eight have to agree... Dean Young is also in the running, so that sounds like a nightmare that will just roll on for a bit longer. And the Maroons have named their team for Origin 2, with three players slotting into the starting 17 to replace the injured trio. Jeremiah Nanai, Maweki uh, Fotueka and Xavier Coates all return for Queensland, replacing Jairo, Tom Gilbert and Selwyn Cobbo. Meanwhile, Felice Carfusi, Christian Welsh and Corey Horsburgh have all missed out. Uh, boys... What do you? I know you both uh, have Maroon leanings. What do you make of uh, that decision from the Maroons, Izzy? Confident. 
Yep, no, no, no. Confident just lives on and continues on. Um, obviously, Sal and Cobbo is a huge loss, particularly in their wing position. But Xavier Coates has done that before. He's been there and he's playing at home in, at Suncorp. So I think their transition will be seamless. Um, oh, they just look like a settled outfit, don't they, Kempe? They just, mm. you know, nothing really fazed me. When you lose Tom Gilbert and Jai Arrow, you know, it's next man up and there's no fuss about it. When you look at the other side, there's so much fuss and uncertainty going on. So I just see a real settled and, and, and confident side with Billy Slater and co. And that know what their roles are, basically. You know, mm. like you, you, you throw Cobbo out, you bring Coots in, and you have a look at the way that he played for Melbourne on the weekend. A big body carrying the football, always in, you know, in line. That, that take for a try that he got up, I'm pretty sure he's got a lot of AFL clubs chasing him as well, the, the, the height that he gets off, gets off the ground. But it's their, their work that they do bringing the ball off their line. Reese Walsh, Xavier Coots, uh, Murray Tolagi, and then you've got the speed and Holmes and Fidel coming out of dummy half. Mate, they they're starting to look like a pretty good Queensland team that's going to be hard to beat in the future. Kimpia, you watched the Knights Broncos game and you saw the battle of the fullbacks. Obviously, Ponga taking on Walsh. Yeah, who won that battle? I thought I thought Kalen Ponga won it. Mm. Yeah, I thought Kalen Ponga won it. Yeah, the thing with it, it like it was great to watch because they're both Kiwi boys, and you're going the two yeah. best fullbacks in the comp at the moment are both um, Kiwi boys and Ponga and 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 Reese Walsh, but. You know, Billy Slater ain't going to take Reese Walsh out of that winning side. Nah, um, nah. There's talk that Kalen Pong has actually stepped out of the origin for this year because of the concussion thing anyway. So, um, mate, that's going to be a good battle for years to come. Does does Kalen Ponga get used in a different position later on? You know, because you've got to remember Billy Slater. Billy Slater made his name when he first went into the origin on the wing. Remember that? He came out, he put that chip over the top, caught, caught the fullback off, chipped over the fullback again, and then... Um, Scored that try, and he, he actually scored that off the wing. So does Kalen fill one of those spots? Yeah, it's hard to see him making the Origin team at six at the moment. It hasn't worked all the night, so they have to try and slot him in somewhere next season. But we'll see how that goes. There you go. Those are your sports news headlines, uh, trades and builders. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Up next, it's time for Quizzy Dag. The Quiz Master $100 of TAB bonus bets <laughs> could be all yours after the absolute schmozzle that was yesterday. Come on, people, sharpen up, get your coffee in you. You've got to make it a better effort than what we saw yesterday. It is 21 away from 7. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Get in. Now only $17.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. No matter what you ask me, try and play the quiz, things won't get nasty. Get up, stand up, come and throw your hands up. If you got the feeling, get the phone's lights ringing. Came to get paid, we came to get paid. So get on your phones and dial now. Call now, 0800. Call now, 150. Call now, 811. Call now, call now and get paid. Hey, 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 Jump around. There we go. Let's rip straight into it. We'll head to the Manawatu. And catch up with Caleb. Good morning. Oh, good morning, guys. How are we? Up, mate, you're up first. We're good. We're good, mate. Chirping today, so ready to rip into this quiz for you. Good, good. Here we go. Question good, number good. one. Leeds United 
were relegated from the EPL this season, but that hasn't put off a new ownership group by the club. Which NFL team is the group linked to? Uh, the 49ers. <laughs> yep, San Francisco 49ers, well done, not the well 69ers. There we go. <laughs> Question number two. Who scored a hat-trick in the Eels versus the Dogs game last night? Uh, oh, I must say game. Uh, Gutherson. Clint Gutherson. Yep. Clint Gutherson is correct. Question number three. At the Rugby World Cup in 2007, which four European countries were in New Zealand's pool? Oh, can you a clue, Kippy? I'll give you a... Yeah, I'll give you a... Two of them are in the Six Nations, two of them aren't. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> uh, Italy? Yep. Yep. Um, Georgia? Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Caleb. Appreciate your call, mate. Have a good day. We're going to go to Brenton from Auckland. Morning, brother. Hey, brother. Here we go, Brenton. Rugby World Cup 20, 2007. Four European countries. We've already had one. It's Italy. Name the other three. Oh, Brenton. Oh, unlucky. Lammy, Palmy North. Oh. Lammy. <laughs> oh. oh, man, I didn't know you. Um, oh, Uruguay? That's not in Europe. That's probably the shortest <laughs> quiz of your lifetime there, Lemmy. Appreciate it, mate. Have a good day. 0800 150 bucks up for grabs. Give us a call now, Brett. From Huntley. Morning. Morena, Makazi. Morena, Morena. Italy. Uh, Who else? Scotland when they played in orange jerseys. Yep. Uh, this is up in France. We played Portugal. Yes. Um, European countries. Yeah, don't go roaming yep. too far out of Europe. Uh, Romania, yellow jerseys. <laughs> Anyone but Brett, you help, okay? Okay, Pardon? sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, joking. All right, here we go. Question number four. New Wellington Phoenix signing, Jack Duncan. Was previously which with which other A League club? Jets. Wow, just like that. Castle Jets, bang! Question number five for a hundred bucks, Brett. Here we go. Novak Djokovic has now won the most men's single titles with twenty-three. Which opponent has beaten? Has he beaten the most in finals? Or feet? Oh, it's not the Fed Express, Brett from Huntley. There you go. That was Quizzy Dag. Sorry, Brett. $150 bonus bets up for grabs tomorrow. Ah, give yourself a chance. I know you're hungry for that Wednesday bet. And remember, Kempi's kicker coming up on Thursday. And the worst thing about my TAB account at the moment, I've got a limit. And that limit doesn't come up till at least Saturday morning. <laughs> so these Wednesday tips... 
keep them to yourself. There you go. Love Racing update coming up with the one and only Tony King. Anytime, 0800 150 811. Find a thoroughbred race day at events.loveracing.nz. And yes, Sinzo is favoured uh, to defy racing history and become the first horse to complete the Golden Slipper Golden Rose double in the same year. We're just going to talk about that because there's no racing today and it's time to start getting excited about spring carnivals. And this is one that I want to have a look at, which is the Golden Rose. TOB Fixed Odds Price Assessors have framed the opening betting market on the Group 1 $1 million Golden Rose 1400 at Rosal Gardens in September with Chris Waller's Glamour Colt Shinzo early favourite at 6 bucks ahead of stablemate Melissa. Uh, Militarise at $9. Yep. So, and that's a really good horse as well. So, since the Golden Rose was introduced 20 years ago, no Golden Slipper winner has won the three year old classic in spring. And Shinzo is shaping up to be that one to break that. The Golden Rose is shaping as one of the races of the spring, given the depth of talent in the ranks of the rising three year olds. There's so many exciting two year olds who you would expect to improve as three year olds. Um, there's a Group 1 level at AC Champagne Stakes. The uh, ideal Golden Rose um, race is also has the likes of Cylinder, who started favourite in the Golden Slipper and ran second to Celestial Legend, which was looking so good winning at Rosal and unbeaten horses like uh, Kadinsky, Abstract and uh, Liberchad. So uh, there's another good one called Commemorative, um, who's the highest rated filly in the Golden Rose market at $15. And I don't know if you've seen that Commemorative run, is he? But that thing is a big filly, like a very, very big horse at $15. So you got so in the Rosal um, Gardens Golden Rose million dollar race, Shinzo's opening that uh, future market uh, at six bucks. Cylinders at $11. And you've got commemorative along with a heap of other three-year-olds at 15 bucks so if you're looking to have a have a um a bit of a a uh, crack at that have a look at shinzo at six dollars i'm um, looking to do the double they reckon it's the first time in the history of uh, both the slip and the golden rose that a three-year-old will get that done also entries are now open for the new zealand bloodstock cracker 2024 national yearling sales series with the sale to take place in its traditional time site at the Cracker Sales Centre from Sunday the 28th of Jan- uh, January. It's renowned to have produced a prolific number of modern day and all-time champion racehorses highlighted by a record season on the track. And uh, all key indicators were up during the uh, Karaka 2023 sale, highlighted by the demand for quality New Zealand stock and a thirst of buyers who have got back to Karaka after the COVID-19 enforced travel hiatus. So um, plenty of stuff happening in the racing game at the moment. We've got races tomorrow at Cambridge Synthetic. Uh, Izzy will be tipping you out one tomorrow because uh, I'm uh, cruising, <laughs> cruising away for a Don't leave a me with that pressure, of of Before you leave... <laughs> Have a look at that card and leave us one, all right? And just because you've got plenty in the kitty now because of Just Ask Me and Mr. Didgeridoo, obviously those sales coming up, you're going to have a wee look-see, are you? I'll just, yeah, look, it's, um, I'll, leave that, I'll leave that up to my great mate who's actually gone over to America for a bit of a break while he can over the next couple of weeks, Alan Sheik Sharrock. Uh, he'll definitely be there. We'll, we'll be there because we'll run a breakfast shop there. Um, come the sales because we're great supporters of New Zealand bloodstock. Um, but yeah, for me, I'll have a look at Cambridge for you tomorrow and whip you one that I think will will go close. Uh, we've had some we've had some good good luck there at Cambridge 
uh, over recent picking of horses. So uh, another big week on the cards for racing. Um, but, f- mate, now that we're right in the middle of winter, you start to start thinking with a couple of months out, September, July, August, September. September is when the spring carnival starts, mate, and that's when all the good horses start come, coming back. So uh, I think, Shinzo, if you're having a look now, go do your futures because it's good to look at the futures. Uh I reckon you take that six bucks. If you if you want to have a look at the the slipper, go back and have a look at that race um, up against a couple of really good horses. Cylinder being one of them, I still think Shinzo's the one to beat. So at six dollars, I think that's way overs for that horse. There you go. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Plenty of race action still to come. And, uh, yeah, Izzy's going to be in charge of the Love Racing update while Kempi's away for the rest of the week. So looking forward to all sorts of tips and all sorts of horse advice. <laughs> Maybe we can get something out of Mapley Stud and Sims Davis and he's coming on with us before 9 o'clock. Up next, though. We're going to catch up with Mike Venus and uh, talk to him about his French Open, uh, teaming up with Jamie Murray, Bianca Andrescu, and the coming Wimbledon and grass court season as well. We'll do all that shortly. Right now here is Aroha, the latest in news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ. Great job on the new intro song. Got me smiling and ready to go from a text message on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Unknown Texas. i leave your name at the bottom. Yes, that's right. We're bringing the vibes here for a Tuesday morning, the 13th of June. Wow, we're nearly halfway through June already. That's what happens when you're having a little bit of fun. There's plenty of messages coming through in regards to our early chat. Earlier, a lot, earlier on in the morning, talking Super Rugby. We've got a message here. I love it. Stop talking, dribble dag. How many excuses could you make for those poachers? you still got all those All Blacks in your team, and they are big faves at the TAB. Maybe it's karma for all players. Crusaders poach from Landers. The Crusaders <laughs> over. So get all your excuses ready for Monday. Most of New Zealand will celebrate when the Blues win. 9 p.m. Friday. <laughs> Yes, I will be ready. I've got my Crusaders blanket ready, full of armour. Well, if it doesn't happen, this arm will be coming off and you'll be hearing it all live here on ECNZ Monday morning. I cannot wait. Let's ready to rip in. A couple more we'll get to a bit later on in the show. We've got a big hour coming up. We're going to be talking to, we're going to be talking some origin. And a bit later on in the show, we've got Casey Frank after 8 o'clock, and we've got Country Clueless. If you remember, if you're a day one listener, well, Baz and myself, we're very clueless living on our lifestyle blocks. Well, I've just got a horse, and well, I'm going to get a bit of help from Sims Davison. So looking forward to that. But right now, it's not time to talk some tennis, Kempe. Yeah, that's right. And we've been lucky enough to be joined on the lines this morning by Mike Venus at the French Open, uh, who was playing in the mixed doubles with Bianca Andrescu. Good morning, Michael. How are you this morning? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Hey, congrat- congratulations on making the final. How did the team up with Bianca um, come about? Yeah, it's actually uh, Christoph Lambert, who worked for Tennis New Zealand for oh, probably the last four years or so. Uh, he finished at the end of last year and, um, uh, yeah, started coaching her full-time. And, and so I made a joke with him at the end of last year saying, oh, you need to hook me up with uh, – with her as, uh, you know, she'd be a great mixed doubles partner. And uh, so he said, yeah, I'll see what I can do. And 
uh, yeah, it kind of went from there. But to be honest, I thought he was joking and messing with me um, until <laughs> probably the day before signing. I thought he was just pulling my leg. Mate, it, it came so close in that final. What was it like taking on your former teammate, Tim Putz? Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting when you play, uh, you know, someone you've played with for so long. There's there's no uh, there's no disguises out there. You know exactly what the other one wants mm. to do and how they want to go about things. So, yeah, it becomes a bit of a, should, should I do what I normally do and he knows it or <laughs> should I uh, go for something different and, and see if he doesn't expect it? So, uh, yeah, no, it's, you know, we're still good friends and, and we get on well. So, you know, it was cool to share that court and, and kind of that moment with him. Uh, although I wish the, uh, the result went the other way. Mike, uh, you, you all know the crowd goes wild quite well. Uh, they, uh, they take a, a different view of sport. Uh, they did a story on your team up with Bianca and Rescue, and they were they were focusing on on you know the signals you give each other. So one of when one of you is serving and the one that stood at the front, they do the signals behind yep. the back, and one of them looked like they're giving you the bird upside down, and the other one was like the two fingers <laughs> upside down. We were trying to uh, so they, they did a whole story basically on you guys giving each other the bird. Uh, but what do those signals mean? Yeah, basically the first one is just telling uh, where where the person's going to serve and then the next one is kind of which way they're going to move at the net, if they're going to go left or right. Um, but, yeah, no, you can get uh, – yeah, you can you can get some interesting things from, uh, I guess, looking at it different ways. Oh, it's always one of the most fascinating things, particularly in baseball. And when – so, how, look, just, just going further on that, in baseball, they can say, nah, nah, I don't want to do that one. But for, for you, it's basically you've got to agree with it because, you know, is that, is that how it works? Is there a plan in place for why you're doing these sorts of things? No, so you can call them off. You can say no, and then they'll go, they'll go to a different mm. one and that. But uh, I think the longer you play with someone, you've kind of got a, a good idea of what they like to do in certain situations and, and what they're comfortable with and kind of what the go-to is. So you, you kind of you normally have a good idea on, on kind of what they're going to be wanting. Uh, but, yeah, no, you can you can end up running through a few different ones um, if you're not getting quite the one you want. Hey, Michael, you, so it's your second uh, final at Roland Garris. What do you think you performed so well on clay? Yeah, uh, you know, I think, well, the year I won it and, and obviously this year, they, they, it was both very hot, uh, both those years. So, uh, you know, the hotter conditions, it's a bit quicker through the air of the ball and it bounces up a bit higher, which kind of suits my game a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've had some had some good results here. Would have, in between those, some not so that would like better ones. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I feel like actually on the whole this year, uh, the clay, we actually had a really good, uh, season and, and kind of build up to the French Open was we were both uh, my doubles partner and I disappointed with kind of how Roland Garros ended up but on the whole you know I think we were playing some good tennis and, and kind of now put that behind us and, and looking forward to Wimbledon. Well you got that partnership with Jamie Murray going mate obviously and uh, we know Murray's generally like grass uh, that seems to be going pretty well so uh, with the grass court season upon us does that play into your strengths do you think you're pretty you guys pretty confident for Wimbledon? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, he's obviously had very good results on the grass and, you know, he's playing at home and, and normally has, uh, you know, good good fan turnout for him and, and support in that. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to get out there and, and play Wimbledon. We've got a few tournaments leading up. Uh, so we had our first 
session together out on the grass today and you know it felt good and, and we were kind of tweaking working on the things that we think will uh, work well for us on the surface and that um, yeah so you know from from today's account it was a good start and, and let's see what we can do from there. So you've obviously teamed up with Jamie Murray but uh, Tim Putz has left you for his fellow countrymen what was the go on there is, is this normal and and doubles tennis are you constantly evolving and changing partners to for any reason yeah to be to be honest it changes quite a bit um Mm. i think Mm. uh probably probably one of the big things is uh you know playing tennis as a youngster growing up and that you're always i guess you know looking at singles and playing singles so you're very um you know, you have a way that you like to go about doing things. Uh, so then to all of a sudden after, you know, 20 years or so, you know, change and, and you're working as a team and you've got to really come together and and, and do things together and, and practices and, and want to have the same idea of how to play and how to go about things, uh, you know, it can become challenging at times and, and people have different views on it. Um, mm. And so, yeah, it, it becomes a sometimes it becomes a bit tricky um you know trying to find that that right sweet spot where you you know you both are comfortable uh agreeing on the same thing and and how you want to go about it well the way is he put that i was i was, I was about to start a conversation about who decides who gets the cat um <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, mike you you know you've been at this for a little while now we've seen some of you know the more um uh, experienced players sort of start to look at the uh, which tournaments they play, which tournaments they don't. You know, we've seen Federer in the past skip clay court season altogether just to concentrate on grass. We've seen Nadal uh, do it the other way around, skip some hard court stuff to concentrate on clay. Uh, is that something that you will look at as your career uh, evolves? Uh, <laughs> I think, I guess for me, the lucky bit with the doubles is I'm only covering half the court. So, um, don't have to, um, you know, take as much time and, and, and some of those things like, uh, like those guys have. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a matter of now, uh, we'll see how many years, you know, the body kind of holds up and, and goes through, but yeah, just try and maximize and, and get as much out of it as I can while, uh, while I'm still enjoying playing. Hey, Michael, what about, uh, Novak's 23 slams? Like, was it, was it good? Were you there and able to watch it? And was it good to be a part of it? Yeah, so I mean, I wasn't there for um, you know the final and and that, but yeah, I mean, it's incredible what um, you know he's he's been able to do and achieve. Um, yeah, it's I mean to go in with you know everyone's gunning for you each time and and you've got huge expectations on yourself and to be able to you know consistently perform well and and come out and uh, yeah and be lifting that that trophy you know twenty three times for for different Grand Slams, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, can, look, at Novak Djokovic, we all were hoping, uh, or well, predicting that Carlos Alcaraz will get through Joker and continue on. He obviously played him twice and played him once and, and beaten him. But you look at the next crop coming through, tennis in the singles game, can anyone, like? and how much longer does Joker have left in him? He is obviously 36 years of age. Can he extend this lead over Fed and Nadal? I mean, I'd I'd say I'd say he's probably. I mean, you'd have to say he's got a few more in him. Uh, you know, he's won the first two. Um, you know, this year and, and did he win Aussie Open? I think he did. 
Um, mm. But anyway, he's, he's can he do the sweep? And he's, and he's playing well, yeah. So, I mean, if he if you're winning two in a year, I mean, you're kind of uh, yeah, you're obviously still playing at the peak, and and people are still chasing you. So, um, yeah, I would I would say he's at least got a few more years, you know, at at kind of the top of the game. I'd say those youngsters are going to be uh, right there with him, uh, and and there'll be some great matches, uh, you know, coming up in the future in that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he put a you know a few more on there also. Hey Michael, just for just for the listeners, have you played um, Djokovic or have you played a Federer, um, any one of those 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 goats of tennis? And and, and if you have, what, what was what was it like? Yeah, so I actually I played Novak oh, early on in uh, in doubles in Beijing, um, and lost in a super tiebreaker. But you know it was uh, yeah it was it was it was it was very cool playing against him. Um, and just, I guess, you know, singles is a bit different than doubles, but just kind of seeing, uh, you know, how he, I mean, in terms of returns and, and first serves and, and just kind of how disciplined he was and, and how little, you know, free points and they give you and how precise they are with where they put the ball. It is, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable how there's no, no let up through the, the whole matches. Uh, Mike, just before we let you go, uh, Wimbledon, US to come, those surfaces I think are probably more Novak than uh, than the than the players we've seen that over the career. You're, what chance do you give them to have twenty five by the time the end of the year comes around? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd say obviously he's the favourite for um, for Wimbledon, so mm. you'd you'd probably give him that one. And then uh, yeah, I mean, with having three in in your pocket, and I think he made finals of U.S. Open last year. Um, you know, with the the confidence and and how well he's playing. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he did did end up at 25 at the end of the year. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, I think the other thing too, if he does win Wimbledon, it, you know, you're also trying to get the calendar Grand Slam, which is hasn't been done for oh, I think quite a while. Um, so you know that that'll add some other other pressure to things also. So yeah, we'll just. It'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, it will be, mate. It will be. Hey, listen, I really appreciate your time, Michael. Best of luck for the grass court season. I hope to see uh, you and Jamie go deep at Wimbledon, eh? Go well. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Michael Venus there with us uh, on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. 17 past seven. And, yeah, what an experience that'd be, eh? Been, my, my Venus issues have been on the other side of the net from from uh, a guy like Joker. I know you. You think about that too when you when you're sort of playing. You're playing against the best, and you go, man. I wonder what it'd be like to play against that guy or or be a part of it. And um, you know, been on the other side of a racket up against you know <laughs> the Joker against um, Nadal, that type of people. Man, you there'll be, there'll be you'd, it'll be a dream come true, wouldn't it, Izzy? Yeah, it would be unreal, mate. Just to be able to test yourself against the best, the best in the world. But it's it's a different game, the doubles, isn't it? Like the 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 teamwork that's involved, you're covering up, you're up at the net, one's at the back covering the baseline, and it's, um, yeah, a lot, lot involved, and that's what they say, like, you're obviously good at singles, but it doesn't mean you're good at doubles, and, and you know, the different styles of play, and Michael Venus has found his calling now, and he's obviously got his part, it was interesting, I just, because, you know, like, the the differences, you, like, him and Tim Putz, they had a partnership going, Ricardo, and, you know, like, they were starting to, to make some gains around the, the doubles world. But then it's obviously ended, so like it's personalities, everyone on the same page, all the politics that's involved that's behind it that we probably don't hear about uh, much. Well, I also think there's, uh, to, to an extent, there's, sometimes it's about opportunities. 
you know, and and how those opportunities look. And you you know, you go, yes, we're a, we're a team, but I've been given this opportunity to maybe go and play with this guy that's going to open this door for me. So hey, this. So is who what I'm was that? Do. do you reckon is Jamie Murray probably? I don't I don't know the doubles tennis world. Was Jamie Murray the better fit for? Michael Venus. Yeah, I think so. I think I think he's a really good fit. And I talked to Mike when that uh, first got announced last year, at the end of last year, and uh, he said, yeah, he and he and Jamie have known each other for ages. They get on really well. Nice. Their families are close, you know, so uh, all of that stuff helps because, you know, it's not the, just the on-court things that, you know, that's what we see, that's what we think about. But it's the amount of time you spend practising with each other and you spend in the hotel with each other uh, on tour as well. So, you know, there's probably... Uh, Ninety percent of the time is 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 off court, so you got to get on with the person, uh, you know, to, to be able to uh, have that successful partnership. On imagine court. having Curios as your partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, off court. Imagine is, imagine Israel Dag and Curios as partners. <laughs> I'm well behaved, Tony. Six months sober. No, six weeks. Six weeks. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Feels like six months, though, doesn't your, it? Your counting's <laughs> like my... It feels like six months, Your counting's like my reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's 20 past seven here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Off the back fences next. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, your real house of fragrance. Chemist Warehouse June catalogue sale ends this week. Find Calvin Klein Euphoria for Men, 50 mil, now only $39.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Well, we shouldn't forget that this week is Men's Mental Health Week and a timely reminder to check in with yourself and download all the negativity weighing heavily on your mind. As we navigate through an ever-changing world, which at times has us asking questions such as, why me? Or what did I do to deserve this? And many others. Let's be reminded that this often spoken truth for many of us, time is a great healer. Time has had this uncanny ability to leave things in the past. There may be days when we feel vulnerable, but guess what? Time will pass and many of us will move on. Understanding that time is your friend allows you to also acknowledge that if you are dealing with negativity, allowing time to pass will also allow you some well-deserved time to work on yourself. So I'd like to leave you with this one technique that I use myself, and it may help. It's called the wave technique. It's about your emotions. They might be bad. I call them short emotions. Anger, jealousy, hatred, negative ones. And especially these negative ones that will never really pass. But it's our desire to sit in them, and especially when they do come, that gives them their power. So the wave technique is all about this difficult emotion and how you use that feeling and put that descriptive wave to it. Okay, so it's a wave, and I I use a wave because of the surfing. I can feel that emotion coming towards me. As it gets stronger, that emotion, it then passes through me. I don't sit in it. And then as it passes past me, I let that wave go and break on the shore. Imagine that difficult emotion, and imagine it as a wave. Simple but effective technique, and always remember that time is our great friend, and it always passes. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. I love that, Kempy. Um, 
it's yeah, it's it's a powerful message, and a message that will be spoken, particularly with blokes. You know, I could sit here and say it from experience. Um, we we love to bottle it up, eh? Yeah. We love to just really uh, be what's the word? Um, you know, stubborn. egotistic, stubborn, and and never show weakness. And uh, and just shy away from from the difficult conversations. Look, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I'm I'm going. We're going through stuff ourselves, you know. My wife, she's feeling the for the pressure. Like the world is pretty tough out there at the moment. It's hard to really see light at the end of the tunnel. But I love that saying. Like time is a healer, and, and you can only the control the ones that are in your control. Those that are out of your control. Most of our focus always focuses on that. We want to make it different, we want to make better by it, but the reality is we can't change that. What we can change is how we feel in our own backyard and what's going on in our own inner circle. And Men's Health Week, it should be Men's Year, and I know mental health is always talked about plenty of times, um, and it's something we need to be open about and vulnerable about because um, the more we talk about it, the more we can express our feelings because bottling them up, Ain't the way, Kimpy. And that wave, where, where'd you learn that from? Because, you know, we've all got certain tools. You know, I've got my little tools. And, and my biggest problem I have at the moment is is, is motivation, you know? Mm. Like being motivated to get up, not using this knee and these crutches as an excuse to get up and get something and get at it. We always find excuses, don't we? Well, I do anyway. Well, that... I don't think they're excuses. I think you know what you know, and and one of the one of the issues that you do when you're in that depressive state and are not well is that you sit in it, and you allow it mm. to um, manifest, and it becomes a big dark shadow over you, and and that is because you're sitting in it. And one of the techniques that was taught to me, and and, and Emma Holmes is a fantastic psychologist when she taught me this technique. She said, what do you like doing? I said, like surfing. She said, well, I want you to think of your emotion as a wave. Some people use it as cars. They sit out on a road and they hear a car coming towards them and then it goes past them. You know, so you hear that. You know, and the same same concept. So the wave, and she said, attach your emotion to it, allow it coming, acknowledge it, say, yes, I can feel that anger coming. Mm. All right, here it is. It's right on me now. I'm feeling at my worst and most vulnerable. It's okay now. You can leave me and and let that wave pass through you so you're not sitting in it. So, And that's the vulnerability that you have to allow yourself to be able to, to, to I guess, sit in um, and talk about it. Because the other thing, you're dead right, is it's not mental health week. It's mental health 365 days of the year, you know what I mean? We're having these days every day of the year, and unless we start to talk about it as men, and that's the good thing about bringing something like this up, is you have an opportunity to to share and share what what works and what doesn't. I I do, and I have said this to a, a lot of people, you know, like, it takes work. It just doesn't happen. You know, you have to actually work at it. You have to practice, and it becomes easier as the more... Um, practice you get. It's like anything, you know. Me and you, we're kicking a football. You know, we wanted to be the best kicker with the football. Um, we went out and we hit a hundred balls up against a fence. You know, a day type thing. That's that's how that's how it works. It's the same thing with your mental health. You can't sit in it. You have to work at it. Yeah, get out of that. Get out of that little rate eh? and and get going. Um, sitting there, thinking, staying dormant for for very long that time ain't gonna be the be the way out of it but mate look it's i love it that was awesome off the back fence and i know plenty out there will be sharing their own experiences and um 
and everything like that. that that's why we're here. Like, we are a radio show. We are a sports radio show. But we're also here for you. Like, one thing I love about this show is I've grown a real good connection with our listeners and the people that are out in the public that tune into our show every day. My, the, what makes me so happy is when I get to meet you and have a chat to you on the side of the road. So, obviously, we're here to, to talk sport and have fun and, and enjoy it, but we're also here to help. So, um, you know, if you ever want to chat, or anything, you just you flick us a message, give us a call. It doesn't have to be on air, you know. I'm willing to, to chat to you. I'm going through my own stuff and, and, and own thing. Everyone goes for everything. Rick Dog, you're probably going through stuff. Everyone. There is no person out there that isn't struggling and going through their own um, uh, difficult situations at the moment. So just, just share it. Be open. Don't bottle it up because that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. We're all got our battles. All got our battles. And you're never mm. quite sure who's going through what. Uh, so, you know, always take that into uh, consideration where, with whoever I uh, happen to be dealing with. It is 28 away uh, from 8 on SENZ. It is Ian Kempe for breakfast. Nice work on Off the Back Fence. Kempe, time now to catch up with Araha for the latest in news and sport. Thanks to Kubota, we are building and shaping New Zealand. Twenty-five away from eight on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks for your text messages. A lot coming through from off the back fence. Appreciate those. Double eight, double three. Keep them coming through. Uh, time now for your sports news headlines with Ken Attire. Two easy weekend and. How's this, boys? Uh, there might, might be something uh, one of you might be interested in doing at some point, just to to fill your pockets a bit mu- a bit more. But uh, the world's fastest single sculler has dipped his oar into the OnlyFans waters. Uh, New Zealand dual <laughs> Olympian Robbie Manson has launched his own space on the adult subscription site. Says he hasn't gone rogue and started an adult film career, though. The 33-year-old is part of New Zealand rowing's elite training squad and is competing for a place in the world champs set on his Insta page, all about pushing the boundaries and challenging the norms and acknowledging that the site could help him financially while he pursues his passion as an athlete. Manson won gold in 2017 at the Rome World Cup in Poland, setting a new world best time of 6 minutes 30.74. It's never been bettered since then. He is a, he is a champion, that bloke. Now he's got his, only, his own only fan. I don't know you're not doing adult content on there, what you are doing, but there you go. Uh, boys, any ideas? What would you do on your own? He's got a rig. He's got a rig. Yeah. If you go on stuff and you check out his pose there, uh, model-esque like from Robbie Manson, it's, yeah, look, he's said he's not going to be doing what they do normally, but what, and what's <laughs> when that? you look what's at that, that pose, oh, <laughs> I don't know, I've never been on it, mate, I've no, never been on it, from, from have you I've been read. on it? <laughs> no, no, I haven't, but I, I, I will tell you that, when, when Ricardo started talking and he said, 
you guys might want to have a crack at this as single sculler. I thought about, oh, just one guy up against another guy with a pint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so did I. That's what I was like, single sculler. What's he Woo. doing? Who needs a boat race? Oh. <laughs> Who needs ah. a, you want a proper boat race? Get a pint. Yeah, we can we go right at that. Get amongst it. Get amongst <laughs> it. All right. Uh, carrying on those uh, that news, uh, the Maroons have named their origin team. For game two, three players slotting into the starting 17 to replace an injured trio. Jeremiah Nanai, Moeki Fortuaka and Xavier Coates all in the Queensland team to replace Jai Arrow, Tom Gilbert and Selwyn Cobo, Felicia Kalfusi. Uh, Felice Carfusi, I should say, Christian Welsh, and Corey Hawes being left out. And, and news today, we're going to get a team, I think, one o'clock New Zealand time out of New South Wales as well. News that Nico Hines is not making the cut despite really not doing anything wrong in game one. We talked about it as the can't wait question of the day. Uh, is who plays seven if it's not Nico Hines? But, uh, boys, start with you, Kempe. Your reaction, A, to the likes of Kalfusi and, and Corey Horsburgh missing out, uh, and, uh, and 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 then also Hines maybe be getting the, the Well, ads. there's been a, pol- a political campaign for Horsburgh, isn't it? Everyone out of Canberra's come out and said he'll be great in an origin jersey, and they just can't get him in there. So, um, like, I... I I think Billy knows what he's doing. Uh, Felice Kalfusi, I think I think he would be a great addition back into that Queensland side just for his experience, the amount of caps he's got, um, and just how solid he is in defence. But you know, bringing Nunai back into that back row with Fafita, what a what a lethal back row on both sides of the the pitch they got. And I just don't I don't think people are giving their backline enough kudos, like the size, speed, the way they carry the ball out of their own half. Um, but the way they can finish tries, like Val Holmes and F- I'll tell you what, the hammer, Fido, I, I've just got mm. s- a different view of Fido, of, of the hammer. I just think that kid, man, if I had a million dollars, I would be paying for him to be my fullback. Did you see him score that try on the weekend? Like, they got beaten well. Mm. But, like, you see the speed that he has when he gets that sweep runner and he just that stop start when he went around um, the centre? He made him look average, you know, and that's just that's his his natural footballing ability. So, uh, Queensland they're going to be hard to beat up there at Suncorp Stadium game too. I don't I don't know what Freddie's going to do, but he's going to have to come up with some type of magic. Just, just on that Nico Hines situation, Kippy, when you look at that decision to leave him out, Mitchell Moses comes in. Does that come down to that one moment playing at centre when he missed Cam Munster? If that is the case, Freddie's. Freddie's done. He's cooked. He's clutching. Yeah. Well, I don't think it comes down to that that one time during that well, game. I think it comes down well, to what's his reasoning. Well, his decision to go with one hooker is my is, mm. is my understanding. That oh look, I don't think Nico Hines. I think Nico Hines is the best six in the comp. You know, he's daily M. He is. He's a very good five eight. And I think he's. I do think he's better than Jerome Luai. And I think he's a. He's a. He's just a. I guess paying for Freddie's um, infatuation with Penrith, because I would have Nico Hines starting, and I'd probably have Reynolds starting at seven, you know. Um, but he, he's obviously he's got to get rid of Nico Hines. The reason he is getting rid of Nico Hines because he wants to go with two hookers on the bench. Yeah, well, that yes, I get what you're saying, but I would also say, well, you've got a big hole where there's no Nathan Cleary anymore, so you need another half anyway. So why not make that other half Nico Hines? Well, that's what the Queensland side do, is yeah. they take Ben Hunt a half and they make him a hooker. Yeah. You know, so I'd, if you're going to bring Reese Robson back, because that's what they're talking about out of the Cowboys, to fill that, that bench spot with Cook, 
Poor, that sneaker Hines is just—he's just—it's he's just, it's just unlucky the way that the selections are going. Kimpy, question for you: New South Wales tried to dominate in the pack. They went to the game, State of Origin game one, with a big pack. Pangai Junior's out now; he's obviously been dropped. So when you look at the pack potentially going for the New South Wales, you have got Junior Paulo for the Eels, you have got Tyson Frizzell, Hudson Young, Isaiah Yao, and Reese Robinson off the bench. When you look at that, is that different? Have they gone for a more mobile pack to counter what the Queensland were able to do in game one? Well, me personally, is he what I think? I think he's mm. I think he's clutching and he shouldn't be worried <laughs> about the Queensland pack because you cannot beat that pack. So Tino mm. and Collins, the Australian front row, you know, Ben Hunt player of the series last year. You add Jeremiah, Jeremiah Nunai, Australian back row, Fafita the the biggest attacking weapon um, in the NR, in the NRL, and you put Pat Carrigan on the back, again, another Australian back row. You can't beat their pack. yeah. Mm. So you have to come up with an innovative way of approaching the game and trying to, like you said, when we played against South Africa, we knew we were up against the big pack. We moved them around the football field. So he's trying to go, well, I need Tavita Pangai in here to, to, to dish out some, some, you know, some, some, some hurt on them. Mate, you're not going to dish your hurt out on that Queensland pack. Get over yourself. Mm. Yeah. You know? You've got to make them, you've got to move them around. You've got to do something different to try and beat them. And if he keeps going, well, that's what I mean. Like, he's got, he's got 80 minutes to try and, resu- to try and um, resume a, a New South Wales career. I look, and I don't think the selection that he's made is going to chain, make any difference whatsoever. I just think Queensland's going to go up there and to Suncorp and do him. I think he's confused. To be honest, I think I don't think he knows what he's doing. To be honest, and, like I'm, and I'm a New South Wales fan. I have no hope at all. To be honest, uh, seventeen away from eight. Keen to hear from you though. 0800 0800-150-811. Origin. What are you expecting game two? What do you make of the changes that the Maroons have made, and what do you expect out of the Blues camp? Give us a call. 0800-150-811 or text us double eight double three. Seventeen away from eight here on SENZ. It's Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. It's 12 away from 8 on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Call us anytime 0800 150 or you can text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine 8833. This one through from Richard. Lads, surely the decision to cut Hines from the 7 would be because he hasn't beaten a top 8 team this year and only beat 3 last year. There are better game controlling halves playing at the moment, but I'd have him at 6. In the first game, Teddy was so off the pace, I was hoping Nico would sub in at fullback. Also, how was it that they only had Haas and Paolo on the field together for nine minutes? Insanity. That is their best forward pairing. Yeah. And I, I think with the forward pack too, I'll, you know, when you've got uh, Cameron Murray and Liam Martin, who, who are both kangaroo back rowers sitting on the bench, like you start with those, they're starters. You know what I mean? Mm. They're starting back rowers. Hudson Young, like, like I don't know, yeah, yeah, he can play, Hudson Young, but Cameron Murray and Liam Martin are proven. You know they're fine. They're finalists. Um, you know, obviously Liam Martin is, I reckon, close to the best back row on the comp. But to have them not starting um, behind Frizzell and Young, I think they got that wrong. And you're dead right about uh, Borlo and, of course, Haas. You have to have that size there against the Queensland pack. Morning, boys. The Blues are cooked. One game down, going to Suncorp. No Cleary. Who cares who they pick? Go the Mighty Reds. That's from Carl Stratton, uh, mate of yours. Uh, Izzy, uh, now we do have a couple of calls on 0800 150 811. Uh, Zaid, uh, good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning. Um, 
Uh, I do want to get on the state of origin, but we've got the blockbuster on Friday night. Can the Blues do what they couldn't do last year and beat the Crusaders in a big playoffs match? Um, the Crusaders have always had the wood, but it's the Blues' biggest chance of the season. Um, I just want the boys to empty the tank. Who cares if you get injured? You just got to go and put everything into it. And um, I've got one thing I want to say to Bowden Barrett, mate. Please just don't kick the ball. We don't need you <laughs> kicking the ball to Will Jordan and Lester Fire Nuku. We're definitely not going to win. If you want, if you want to kick the ball away to them um, all night, that's just not going to work. Yeah, some hey, qual- some quality state of origin chat there from Zaid. Are you awake, Zaid? <laughs> <laughs> no, love it, mate. Love your passion for the blues. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, just the wrong blues, mate. Uh, well, not the wrong blues, but just the other blues is the other blues we were talking about. Zaid, uh, Mark from Sydney, uh, who probably has the right shade of blue in mind, uh, joins us. G'day, mate. G'day, Morona boys. How are we? Morona, yeah, you know, you know no, who these two no. support, don't you? No, 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 no. I was saying Morena as in, as in the Kiwi way of greeting. Maybe I got it wrong. But no, nah, good morning, mate. That'll, How are you? That'll do it. Uh, All good. I'm thinking that I'm thinking that New South Wales can take games two and three. I was You're talking dreaming. to Matt Rogers. No, 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 no. I was talking to Matt Rogers last night on one of the Sydney SEN radio programs, and he was he and I were on the same wavelength with regard to. If New South Wales can hold on to the ball because they kept dropping the ball way too many times in the first game and they can avoid giving away needless penalties and maintain their on-field discipline, I believe that New South Wales can win games two and three. And on a more positive note, I was even more encouraged to see Ashley Klein's refereeing in game one was very fairly balanced because usually he's very pro-Queensland and we've had an un favourable bias against us as the Blues for years in State of Origin. And Ashley Klein's been at the head of that. And Todd Greenberg was oh so congratulatory for years as to how Queensland won when New South Wales got shafted by bad refereeing calls that should have gone our way for years. So was, it, was, that for, was that for 10 years? Was that for 10 years, Mark? 10 years? More like two. More like 20. <laughs> so I was going to say, Mark, you sounded like a Warriors fan, mate, to be fair. Uh, uh, blaming the referees. Because last time you called, you mentioned this about Ashley Klein. I looked up Ashley Klein. He's born and bred in Penrith. His old man played for the Panthers. So I think he even played juniors for the Eels. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know where that Queensland bias comes maybe from. Maybe Freddie should recruit him. Put him on the bench. Maybe. Maybe he should. Maybe he should. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Mark. 0800-150-811-8833. Talking Origin here on Izzy and Kempe for Breakfast. We'll be back with more after this at 7 away from 8. Izzy and Kempe for Breakfast on SENZ.
Yes, welcome back. Izzy Kempi for breakfast. Bringing the vibes for a Tuesday morning. How good is that? Kings of Leon. I hope you're enjoying it. We had one of our text messages coming through earlier. Our listeners... And uh, he's enjoying that new intro song at the start of every hour. We've been talking state of origin. We've been talking a bit of rugby at the start of the hour. Plenty messages coming through. And right now we're going to talk some NBL and NBA. Can the Joker and Jamal Murray continue their form and take it out in the next game? Back at home in Denver, Colorado. But the man that knows everything Basketball is going to join us right now. Casey Frank, good morning to you. Well, how are we going? Thanks for having me this morning. No, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks really appreciate up. your time. Yeah. Thanks for getting <laughs> up. Oh, it's a bit late, isn't it? Five past yeah, eight. You would have been up ages ago, Case. <laughs> up, yes. Not always paying attention to my phone, but today I have. Thanks very much. Let's forget about the past. Let's move on to today. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Casey's Corner. NBL, plenty going on in the NBL competition. Auckland Tuatara at the top of the leaderboard. The uh, Wellington Saints finding a bit of form. Obviously, that slip up against the Otago Nuggets. They're eight and four, mate. Casey's corner. The wrap after round nine. Where do you see it? Well, right now, I'm sort of seeing the NBL has two classes. You've got the four teams at the top that all have at least eight wins and have just about sewn up their postseason hopes. Uh, I think uh, nine wins should definitely get you in this year, and I I don't see most of those teams slipping up that much the rest of the way. So my interest is really in those bottom six teams from Wellington, Southland, uh, Manawatu, Taranaki, Hawks Bay, uh, and Nelson, You know, uh, all with at least three wins with a max of five or it was six with the with the Saints who uh, have been about an even but you know there's going to be a lot of movement down the stretch every team is capable Uh, every team has reloaded at least a little bit at some point during the season some more recently than others and I think when you're really looking at the form that the Giants and Taranaki and Manawatu have played with this this last week uh, they are there to make some noise and and climb their way up that ladder. Casey We've talked uh, a lot about uh, the NBL and particularly about the Saints. Like, now, last year, they had a bit of a hiccup, and, and we put that down to maybe them underestimating the strength of, of, of some of the other sides. They let their imports come in late. They got off to a slow start, and you know they had to put on together a really great run to recover to make the play-ins. Uh, I thought that was going to be a one-off and that we'd be back to usual and, and the Saints would be another team that you know a team that's dominating this league this year. But once again, they've started slow and they've struggled with it. They just not learned lessons from last year. What do you think the problem is at the Saints? Well, I think this year uh, they did sort of make a, a similar decision with uh, Isaiah Moriojo-Oholiapa to bring him in a little bit late because he wanted to do some training in the States to further his career in a different aspect uh, with different trainers so they did make but he's not the same type of player Xavier Cooks was you know everything wasn't revolving around him I I think the big problem with their slow start was that Kyle Adnan was out injured and we can see how valuable he is to this offense they built an offense that was built around his skill set when he wasn't there they started slowly but since he's returned the big problem is they're just not playing defense Uh, when they need to get stops they haven't been able to at times they've been baited into some silly plays you know there's a uh, case before the, the game review board right now in the NBL with some actions that Tony Smith-Milner took place that it will be handed down later this week when everything sorted out before the weekend. But uh, I think their, their mentality defensively hasn't been where it needs to be. Uh, they're probably the best offensive team when they're going in the NBL, 
but the fact that they haven't been able to consistently stop teams, and that went against, you know, uh, understrength uh, uh, or that loss to the understrength Chicago Nuggets team last weekend was really telling. Uh, a lot of wide open shots for a team that really only had two two weapons on the perimeter. The fact that they couldn't shut that down is telling me that they're not doing a good job of listening to their scouts and they're not implementing the game plan because that game plan would have been pretty simple. Hey, Casey, just just on that, you know, like you look at the imports and and. Uh, the franchises and the signings that they've got, you know, you look at the breakers and how important those imports were for them. In this competition, how how important is the franchise to get their imports right? And which franchises do you think lead the way uh, in this competition? Uh, the, the import decisions is the most important decision you can make. Uh, if you don't get a guy uh, off the off the plane that comes in and is able to do the job, you're going to be in trouble. You know, with, with, with three imports, you're talking about 60% of your starting lineup. Uh, when one of those guys isn't performing, you look at what uh, Taranaki has done when they had David Azor, who wasn't quite the right fit, not enough of a score. They bring in Kendrick Ray. He drops 32, and instantly they're, they're beating Southland on the road. You know, very different team. Uh, you look at what the men with two Jets have done with uh, a local core that isn't very accomplished, very young, and hasn't really produced. But those imports are scoring over 70 points per game, so every single game they've got a chance. Now, if you, if you don't have the top-end local talent, you're not going to be able to reach – the heights of the best teams in the league. You look at what Auckland's been able to do with getting the import mix right. They don't have to be, you know, dominant guys per se, as Cam Glidden isn't really a dominant guy because he's Bill Lawson's not going to be a dominant guy. But these guys are fitting into what they want to do, fitting around their local talent that is top level and Ruben Tarangi and Rob Lowe, and that enables them to compete with anybody every single day. So it's absolutely something you have to get right, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to score 30 points per game. It just means that they have to fit what you're trying to do as a franchise. Speaking of local talent, the Tuatara on fire. Rob Lowe recently announcing his retirement, but he's leading the MVP vote. How vital is he on both ends of the floor? Uh, he's, to me, the most valuable player in the league. Uh, he, he's tied for first in the competition in defensive win shares with Richard McGill, uh, who's first in the league in steals. And what he does defensively, blocking shots, uh, getting in passing lanes and just deterring people at the rim with his size is so important for what the Tuatara does. And then offensively, he's been uh, kind of like a warm blanket. You know, when they really need a bucket, they can go to him in the low post. They can go to him in the high post. He's creating real tough covers on that side. They can't switch on the uh, Jared Weeks's uh, pick and roll action because if they get a switch with Rob Lowe, he's going to town. Uh, I mean, just uh, probably the best season of his professional career uh, in terms of impact mm-hmm. of what he's done and. You know, I spoke to him after the game, and we, we did a quick interview for the highlight show where I asked him, you know, you, you've announced your retirement from the Aussie League, and you've announced <laughs> your retirement from the Tall Blacks, but you haven't announced your retirement from New, the New Zealand NBL. And, and he shared with us that, you know, at this point, he's planning to continue playing because it allows time with the family. The travel isn't as strenuous. So thankfully here in the local league, we're, we're more than likely going to be able to see him for a fair few years. But the, there's no doubt that he, he's left leaving a lot of meat on that bone in terms of uh, playing at a higher level. What do you make of that retirement? 31, you're saying he's obviously playing the best basketball of his career. Are you you surprised that he's obviously made that decision? Well, I'm shocked. But but, but that's because, uh, you you know... (laughs) For, for some guys, some guys uh, like the, the game is everything to them. It, it drives their every waking moment. It's all they want to do. You know, like my own case, I basically played until the wheels fall, fell off. You know, <laughs> I couldn't really walk anymore. That's why I couldn't get a job. 
But Rob, he's in a different stage. You know, he's he had some really good lucrative offers from Australia. I know multiple teams were offering him, uh, you know, tw- at, at the very minimum, twice as much as he was being offered by the Breakers. This wasn't a financial decision. This was purely based on the difficulties of the last three years. You know, he had a he had his first child uh, right before COVID started, so basically spent two years away from his family. It was a really difficult time, uh, he, and he has learned that in that time that as important basketball is to him, his family is more valued. So he's made that decision to, to do what's best for his child, best for his wife. And, you know, it, it's actually one of those cases where somebody says, well, I want to spend more time with family, and they're actually honest about it. Giving up, giving up a, a, a bit of the spotlight for your children is always a great thing, but uh, it's a decision that each player and has to make individually when the time is right. It's interesting what you said there about you know the the deals he was had on the table were twice as much as what the breakers were offering. Do you do you think him saying no to the breakers is a bit of a um, he maybe felt like they were taking the piss with that offer? Well, I, I think that if it would have worked financially for the breakers to keep him in town and it would have been on par with what he thought he was worth, I think more than likely he would have been back. Uh, but I think a lot of the same questions would have been there for him and. When, when it comes to a point where you're like, well, I'll play, but only if I get this much, then you're, you're probably not in the mindset where it, it means as much to you as, where, as it really needs to, to play at that level, to be a professional. So uh, my, my guess is from the outside looking in that if those, those offers were matched, he might have gone. But the, the fact of the matter is that the Breakers don't have the financial wherewithal of some of the teams in Australia. They have to build their team uh, in a different way. At times, that means making sacrifices to guys they'd like to keep around and asking them to make sacrifices at a time if they're unable to do so. Hey, Casey, just just talking about that, you're talking about rebuilding. Modi's you know, having to do that with the breakers as well. Are you confident that he can put a side um, back together that's going to compete in, in uh, that competition? I think uh, you know you always have to see what the team is made out of. Uh, I've got a lot of confidence in Modi Moore as a coach and what he's able to get out of his players. But if you don't got the horses, you can't run the race. Uh, they made a big signing today with uh, Metiang. Uh, he's coming off a huge season in Israel where he averaged almost 14 rebounds per game. Uh, they're hoping him as a local is going to be, provide, be able to provide what Derek Harden did. But outside of that, look, this team's got more questions than answers right now. Uh, they're going to be very dependent on rounding out that import core, uh, as well as seeing if some of the local guys who, who are, are still around can develop what Tom, Tommy Abercrombie is able to give with this one-year contract. Is he going to be able to lift his level if he needs to? There are a lot of questions. and it, it, The confidence is there and the ability to scheme something out, but they do have to find some quality players, especially in those import spots, to try and reach the heights of last season. Where do you think this leaves the Tall Blacks? I mean, you know, it was a few years ago they lost Alex Pledger, obviously, because of his health issues. Now they've lost Rob Lowe and Tom Abercrombie back-to-back as well. Um, a bit of a changing in the guard at the Tall Blacks level too. Uh, yeah, but it always is at the uh, national team level. There's always going to be guys so on that other side of 30 that have to make that decision that I can't do that anymore. And I think what the Tall Blacks have done an excellent job of in recent seasons is that they've rotated that group. So now instead of a pool of 12 or 13 players, maybe 15, there's you know 25 guys who are actually talented enough and have enough experience within the group to understand what it takes to win at a high level. Uh, does that mean that they're not going to be worse off without Tommy and Rob? No, I, I think they are going to be worse off. But, uh, uh, you know, on the wing, inside, on the interior, there are a lot of options. You know, you, you look at, uh, you know, just to name a few, Sam Timmons, Ty Winyard. We've got uh, Yanni Wetzel uh, as big. So, you know, we've seen Callum McRae came back this weekend, and while he's probably on the outside looking in for Tall Blacks, you know, he had 26 points 
in his debut as a professional. So there's a lot of size out there. And on the wing, we really do excel. Uh, we, we've, got, we've got a lot of players out there. Ruben Tavani, I think Fendelani, his ability to go to that three spot and that four spot uh, are guys that I look at as, as true performers on that stage. The leadership is always missed, but thankfully the Tall Blacks over time do a great job of passing that knowledge down. Uh, to the next generation to ensure that those guys have as good a chance to win as they need. Uh, they need a pretty good chance against Greece and the U.S. Yeah, it's going to be an outstanding tournament. Let's uh, try and wind back the clock to when they went so far in, in around 0201 and back when the younger days. I used to love watching that. But let's switch our focus across to the United States. Denver could be champions today. Do you expect that to take place? I do. Uh, you know, as as valiant as Miami's postseason run has been this year, I just feel like they've run out of juice. Uh, uh, you know, they're one and six in their last seven games, which is amazing to think that you can be one and six in the playoffs and still alive for an NBA championship. Uh, I wouldn't count them out because they scheme as well as everyone. That you know, they obviously have tremendous heart and they play with great effort. They're bringing back in Tyler Hero, so they may be able to scheme something offensively that allows them to produce the points. Uh, but but in the scheme of things, the offense that Denver's playing with is you know one of the all-time great offenses in the playoffs. Their offensive rating is at like 115 a game right now. Uh, they've been able to really find ways to score even when Nikola Jokic isn't playing well, and he's, he's the number one cheat code in the NBA uh, at the moment. His ability to score inside and create for his teammates <laughs> is something unlike we've really seen from bigs before, and I, I just don't see how the Miami Heat can produce enough offense to win this series. Maybe they can win today, but in the end, it, to me, it, it's a, nearly a foregone conclusion that the Nuggets are going to get it. Hey, Casey, so if it does go that way today, where does, where does Jokic go down? And he's unbackable as MVP. Um, where, do you, where do you hold him, I guess, in the uh, realms of, you know, the LeBron James and the, and the, the GOAT, um, Michael Jordan? Does, does he start to be talked in those circles? Well, to, to get into that, you know, that upper echelon of guys, uh, which for me is guys like LeBron, MJ, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Bill Russell, Larry Bird. Uh, you know, these are all guys who have multiple championships. Uh, I think the least amount of championships on that list is three. Uh, you, you know, so so uh, to, if you want to be one of the all-time greats, it's, it's not MVPs that gets it, it's titles. Uh, until you get to maybe three titles, if he gets three titles – He's going to be in that conversation. Uh, with one title, you're probably looking at yourself as, as you know, a top 20 guy uh, with, with those two MVPs. If, if you know, his career was stopped short today, he wouldn't quite be there. But uh, I think the amazing thing about it is we're, we're talking about a guy who is you know, a second-round pick drafted during the Taco Bell commercial who actually has a chance to be mentioned in those hall, with those Hall of Names. And he's certainly got the skill set. He, you know, his teammates love him. He's performed well. Now for several years in a row, you know, two MVPs was on the short list for MVP this season uh, and now has a chance to get an NBA title. And once you get that title in your belt, that's when you can start looking at that next level of conversation on what type of player I am. But, you know, at the same time, uh, he really doesn't care. <laughs> you tell him about this stuff, he's like, eh, I don't care, whatever. So it's an interesting thing to how hard he's going to work towards it. Yeah, it will be, man. I, I, I just, I just are waiting for that Taco Bell commercial to come out that just starts with like Nikola Jokic standing there about to give you an address and going, hey, folks, look at Jokic here, and they just cut away from him and go to a Taco Bell commercial. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> it would be quality. Uh, there's definitely a marketing opportunity there. And, uh, you know, 
Not so much anymore, but once upon a time, you looked like a guy that frequented Taco Bell with some ease. <laughs> I still do. I still do, Casey. Hey, listen, mate, thank you very much for your time this morning, brother. Always appreciate it. Go well and uh, good luck Thanks, with Pins tomorrow night, eh? Well, I appreciate it, fellas. Uh, always, always a pleasure and glad I could wake up on time today. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Casey Frank there with us on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. This week at Chemist Warehouse, find clear eyes eye drops for only $9.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. 8.26 on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Call us anytime 0800 1508 11 or text us on double eight double three. And got plenty of texts coming through on the rugby as well uh, for this weekend. Not only Super Rugby semi-finals, but also Sunday. That All Black 15 to play Japan in a couple of games is named. And Ken has... Uh, Come off the back fence if you like it. Yeah, Izzy here saying, uh, hey guys, I saw Izzy's AB15 and he had Nipo Laulala in there. Please explain why you got the best tight head in New Zealand in that side and injury free after last season. Cheers, Ken. Ken doesn't have blue eye patches either, just quietly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ken. Um, look, in, in my opinion, I feel like others are ahead of Nipo. And the reason I say that, yes, he has injuries, he's, he has been quite uh, consistent this year, but Nepo has had chances at the next level. Now, Ken, if you look at those chances, has he taken those opportunities? I'd love, I love to hear you t- um, on the Temper Beer Post text. Or give us a call, 0800 150. So for me, I've got others ahead of him. For the game that they're trying to play, I reckon Tyrell Lomax, Tamaiti Williams, with the mobility that they've got on offer, and the ability to hold down a scrum. You've got Moody, who will make it back from injury and then you've also got Ethan DeGroot who is fit and probably playing his best rugby down in Dunedin at the Highlanders so in my opinion I feel like they're ahead of him but I hear what you're saying for the Blues he is doing the job for them but at the next level has he nailed that has he done that job that's where I have unsureness where I'm unsure sorry and uh, the thing with Nepo is he he can sometimes you know, like uh, his his head, he can be ill-disciplined and mm. do some erratic things out on the field a la couple of times when he's ran into a ruck and ran in with no shoulders, no arms, and just ran in like a lunatic, and then he's cost him, been yellow-carded. There is just simple things that I've seen over the years that I feel like has let him down. But, um, yeah, so in my opinion, I just feel like others are ahead of him. We were also talking earlier about uh, you know the All Blacks' insistence at playing uh, the dual pivots and having a, a second, uh, first five playing fullback. Uh, Dave from Karaka chipped in with this. Good morning, boys. I 100% agree with Izzy. That's why Damien and Sean are working so well at the Chiefs and also why Bodie and Sullivan go, are going pretty good uh, from Dave and Karaka. Yeah, there, there you go. There's two prime examples of people playing in their positions, their chosen positions, and nailing that role. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. This one for you, Kempe. Uh, it sounds like the only people's opinion that counts in sport are those that have played at the highest level. I have a question for you. Do you think that a person that has not played at the highest level can be a top coach, or a fan that has never played can read the game to the level you do? One hundred percent, Andy. One hundred percent. If you have a look through most coaching staffs, they've got a lot of um, really smart 
young men, um, particularly some some of them have women uh, in their um, analytic teams that that actually go through all the stats and the analysis and and come up with um, theory and opinion. Uh, and they've had nothing to do with football in their lives other than watch it and and pick things apart. So the the answer um, indirectly is yes. I think you know you don't have to be having played at the top level. What I would say is that having played at the top level, you can attach emotion and um, your your game sense to it. So you know, you know, look, for instance, for me, like when I look at Freddie and his selection process, I can tell it's heavily Penrith influenced. I can tell that Phil Gould has got a heavy influence in his selections, especially with Tabita, uh, Tavita Pungai being put in that side. You know, and and you can see why Freddie uses that because of the, the success that Gus has had in the past with New South Wales. Um, but you know, just because you're, you're you're in the game doesn't mean that you don't have a, a good enough opinion. And I often say this to a lot of people when you're talking about sport, is be very careful um, that you've got the facts behind you and you can talk and you can talk to it. Because a lot of people out there, they actually do their homework. And when you're talking about stuff, like, the amount of times I've been corrected on the show, I may, may have said, oh, I'm not sure if that guy signed, and then straight away someone will come in, no, he signed last week, you know? People do their homework. So um, mm. that's a really good question. And, and like the best player, one of the best players that I played against, his name was Wally Lewis. He, he, he went and, and got some success at origin level, but he couldn't coach in the NRL. You know, mm. he, was, he, was, he was done. That's a great point, Kempi. Eh? Not, not all good players can go and, 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 and coach the game. You know, I've been, been asked if I can coach. I've been, no way, he would be a horrible coach. I enjoy helping players and people, but, yeah, we, we don't know everything. And, and people out there are very passionate about the game. And the one thing about it is they see the game from a different angle. We play it, but they can see it and they become innovative and creative with their thinking and ideas. Mate, I 100%, if you're passionate about a game and sport and you want to have a dabble at it, go hard. By all means, have a crack. I think there is a certain amount too. You know, sometimes great players don't make great coaches because the expectation is that people can do what they could do and then they get frustrated because mm. they can't. Yeah, and that's yeah. their expectation. <laughs> uh, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic recently just retired. He got asked, Are you going to go into coaching? He said, no chance. I'd be punching players in the head. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> That's and, it. What'd you do that for, you idiot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the difference. Like, you know, it's more about managing players as opposed to getting them at that level. Yeah, and this, and this is the other thing where I think around the state sides that are selected, Billy Slater's selected as a side that he can manage. He's put the best team together and gone, this side's really easy to manage, whereas... He's not doing that, Freddie, I don't think, with New South Wales, you know, which means that he's going to have to coach a hell of a lot harder um, when these players and they expect to come in and run off a Penrith platform, you know. So it's, yeah, it, it doesn't mean just because you're a great player, um, and Freddie was a great player, don't, let, don't get me wrong, that makes you a great coach. 28 away from nine here on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Still to come, Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Sims Davison to help us out uh, with Country Clueless before nine as well. Right now, though, time for the latest in news and sport with Araha. Thanks to Kubota, we're building and shaping New Zealand.
25 away from 9 on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Uh, Goose with a great text on double eight double three. You don't need to be a baker to know if a pie tastes good. Uh, I'm off the back of our, our chat <laughs> and the, about... And the Goose I know from Taranaki, he's had plenty of pies. <laughs> Another man who would, would have had plenty of pies after his big win yesterday is Paulie Mawadi from the TAB. Woo! Come in, Paulie. Oh, Come ah. on, Paulie. Come on, tell us. Rub it in. What are you after? What's going on? We were after a tip that you had yesterday and you didn't give it to us. <laughs> well, uh, the price was hey, gone by hey. yesterday. Yeah. Paulie, standing yeah. over that putt, 72 feet, what was going through your head? I hope he knocks it within 12 feet so he's got a chance <laughs> for the next putt. <laughs> <laughs> and he drains it, mate. I want to know your celebration. What was going on where Paulie Mwadi was? Oh, no, it was just a, just a fist pump. That's all. <laughs> Paulie, Paulie is currently <laughs> calling us from hospital because he's, he's nursing two torn hamstrings after the jump that he did. <laughs> and, the, and the hangover. Yeah. No, no, I learnt my lesson after State of Origin with that one. Yeah. Uh, Paulie, uh, you've well been live done. on your favourite sports download, the TAB app today. Let's get into it, mate. What do you got for us today? The the NBA finals, I guess that's high on the list of priorities. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, and we're in Denver where the Nuggets host the Miami Heat for Game 5 of the NBA finals. They hold a 3-1 series lead and only need one more victory to pick up the uh, NBA championship. The Nuggets are $1.27. The Heat, $3.60. Look, we've taken a bit of money the Nuggets way this morning. Um, still more action on the Heat in that head-to-head market than was taken on Denver, though. Um, but it's they're getting very, very close to 50-50 at the moment. So, yep, the Heat are $3.60. The Nuggets are $1.27. There's plenty of power plays there for punters to have a little go on. And um, there are a few that have been very, very popular uh, with punters. Uh, one of them, Bam Adebayo and Nikola Jokic, to combine for 50 or more points, 25 or more rebounds, and 15 or more assists. That's paying $5. Uh, and there was one with uh, Jimmy Butler and Jamal Murray to combine for 55 or more points, 12 or more rebounds, 15 or more assists. That's paying $6. Those are two power plays that punters have really, really latched onto this morning. Hey, Paulie, here's one for you to talk to the, the bookies about. What about a Blues and Maroons one? Like the Blues you go down and play the Crusaders and the, and the Blues play the Maroons. Why don't you have the Reds and the Blues and put a power play on? I'll, I'll pass that on to the boys. I'm sure they'll be keen to um, put something like that together. Uh, Mate, you'll get, you'll get Izzy. You'll get Izzy. Can- Canterbury and the Maroons. It'll only pay $1.50. What? <laughs> 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 So I think I've got to the a wee bit more out of that. <laughs> I, think, I think, mate, to be fair, Izzy has been listening to, to Razor all week because he's been telling us this morning how the Crusaders are massive outsiders. They should be. Oh, what? Come on. We all know what the Crusaders do at this Have time of the year. Have you not seen their team? Have you seen oh, their injuries? You love giving yeah, away money, don't you? They've all got red and black jerseys on. We all know what happens when they put those jerseys on. Is he don't try and get the book, uh, bookies to push the Crusaders out just so you can jump on at the last minute. He's jumped oh, okay. on already, Paulie. You want to have a look at the screen, mate? He's got he's got well, every just, he's got every flag in the stadium in his house. Just think of the punter who put a hundred dollars 
on the Miami Heat to win the NBA championship at $426 to return $42,000. And he did that back in April. So only a couple of months ago, put $100 on the Miami Heat to win the NBA championship to return $42,600. It's not looking likely now, but boy, oh boy, he's had a bit of a ride. Surely you have a cash out problem? Option? Uh, um, yeah, I'm sure there is, but I don't think it's <laughs> worth it now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh. Good stuff, Paulie. Right. Thanks. Uh, anything yeah, else? Anything else you want to hit today, brother? No. Uh, why don't we have a little chat about the US Open, uh, which uh, kicks off this weekend at the LA Country Club, and let's hope we can find Izzy a golfer to put some cash on. Has to be better than sixty ones. Won't be Morikawa. Has to be better than sixty ones. Won't be Morikawa. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, we'll find one for you, Izzy. Don't worry. All right, we need this week's Nick Taylor. That's what we need from you, Paulie Mawadi. I look forward to that tomorrow. Very good, boys. All Catch right. you then. Jeez, go well, mate. Go well. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. A uh, couple of interesting texts through here. Izzy, this one from Richard. Agree with you on Nepo, Izzy. His side of the scrum often collapses and his ruck defence hasn't been up to scratch. On collapsed scrums, is it time for refs to call time in the scrum off while the scrum is set? In the Landers-Blues game a couple of weeks ago, in the first 20 minutes of the second half, 12 minutes was taken up by scrums and resets. The players fanny about forever setting it up. That one from Richard. Yeah, that would save time, 100%. We hate resets. And you think of that game against the Reds, Chiefs, obviously a lot of kicking, but ball and play I think was around 20-odd minutes, mm. if I can be corrected on that, but that's what I was reading. Um, yeah, look, it's call the time off resets. I know they're trying to speed it up with penalties and, and free kicks, um, but uh, on the other side, Ken has come through with another one. Is he? Totally disagree. The blue scrum has dominated most with Nepo at the forefront. He isn't in he is in the form of his life and will be along with Alpha named and the offer will definitely be there. You can't always just pick the Crusaders as he anyway. There's only two Crusaders in that name and Prove me wrong if Moody and Tamaiti won't make it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, a bloke who might have a, a, something to say about it is Sims Davison, former Chiefs prop. He's going to join us next for Country <laughs> Clueless because uh, he's also a Mapley starter. Might be able to give Izzy a bit of advice. We'll do that next at 19 away from 9. Chemist Warehouse June catalogue sale ends this week. Find Calvin Klein Euphoria for Men, 50 mil, now only $39.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, time for Country Clueless. Stay clued up with True Test Active Tag Collars as your segment is back. And uh, Sims Davison uh, from Appley Stud <laughs> joins us. segment? Uh, well, because you're the clueless one that lives in the country. I'm a city boy, mate. I'm clueless, but I don't live in the country, so it don't matter. Ask him how to put a, ask him how to put a, um, a cover on a horse. Yeah, Sims, Sims uh, welcome to the show. As he put a cover on a horse the wrong way round, his missus got home and it was covered in crap. Uh, so you, you, he needs a lot of help. How are you, brother? Yeah, morning, guys. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. How's everyone there? Oh, Clueless. Sim. Clueless, mate. Uh, look, put it in context, my wife, when I was in France, bought a pony for my daughter. Got back this little pony stand there and I'm like, ooh, okay, what's involved here? Well, I'm slowly learning. Obviously, day what, four she left and it was a bit cold outside, so I thought I'd do the right thing and go put the cover on it. 
well, I put the cover on wrong. I didn't know which way goes where, so I put it on anyway. Uh, the head was down by the bum, and uh, the head cover, part of the cover, uh, ended up with poo on it. So cover oh, maintenance right. is a big problem for me. Um, but, yeah, just need yeah. some help. Obviously, you know what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I do, mate. So, I mean, obviously, you, you won't make that same mistake, <laughs> same mistake <laughs> twice. But, um, anyway, what, what, can I, what can I help you with? Is this general, your general knowledge of horses or what you need to be doing around the, like, what problems they can cause on your farm? So, you've got a few acres there, have you? Have you? Yeah, you got 10 acres. It's got a little spot there. Probably just more about um, food maintenance, you know. How much food does this bugger need? Uh, how many times do I feed it? Can I uh, affect it if I overfeed it? Um, you know, when to put a cover on, what cover. Obviously, there's covers for Africa. Um, winter, summer, spring, you know. What's involved? Just, yeah. just run me through it. Right, just like a, just like a um, um, athlete. So the, like, literally, if it looks good... Um, that's pretty much as far as that. With these little ponies, they don't, you know, so you don't. But a lot of it will go down to, you know, the time of the year. During the winter, you've got to feed them a bit more. There's less, less grass growing during the winter. Um, so they do, that does slow down. So give them a bit more feed during the winter. During the summer for that pony, you probably don't even need to feed it if you've got, a, if you've got grass. They literally, they literally live off you know, the smell of an oily rag. Age will have a little bit to do with it. If it is getting older, it's like you need to feed them a bit more to keep their condition on. Um, mm. But the main thing is, the, I just go by go by eye, really. Feed them a bit more during the winter. During the summer, those ponies don't need to be fed um, bugger all, and um, mm. and they also also can uh, you also can feed them too much. Those little ponies do founder, as I said, they live literally live off a you know smell of an oily rag. So be real careful um, when the grass starts to come away in the spring. Um, that you don't feed it too much. So you may have to set up a little tape mm. and sort of just tape it off in corners of your paddock where you've got water. Um, don't let it have a full paddock full of grass. Those little ponies, what, what sort of pony? I suppose you don't know, but you know, those little ponies might need... It's a 15-year-old named Silver. That's about as much as I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'd just be, just do that, mate. Just keep it on. It's weight. As soon as it starts looking too barely, just... Um, just cut it off, go, go get a tape and reel and just sort of cut it off your paddock so it doesn't get too much grass because those things, once they founder, you're in a little bit of trouble and, you, and your daughter won't be happy if she comes home to a bit of uh, horse that can't get up. So, um, yeah. What about exercise? Like, obviously, taking it for constant walks and rides. My daughter, she's obviously a bit like myself, gets an idea in her head, and then, obviously, when it comes to riding it, oh, no, nah, I can't be bothered. Uh, constantly taking them for rides and getting them out in the paddock, running them about? Like, can, if they stay still and just eat and stay in one place, do they become lazy? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, but, but the, the point of having a pony is probably getting your daughter to ride it most days, but they're like anything. You've got to, they'll probably have fun on the first couple of days and there'll be days that they don't want to do it, so it's probably just a little bit of um, parenting there as far as them. If they're going to get a pony, just actually getting out and, and riding the thing a few times a week. If they're doing that, um, you don't have to exercise them anymore. Um, it will help keep their weight down, but those, as I said, those little ponies is going to be directly what goes in their mouth, you know, compared to what uh, weight they put on. So, and yeah, the main thing is if, if they're going to get a pony, make them actually use it a um, couple of times a week at least, and that'll be enough exercise for the for the pony. Um, if you want to go for a walk, be away from the family down the road, and then take it for a walk with you. But uh, apart from that, I think you'd be fine, mate. Okay, last question. Obviously bought the pony, got a pony. Yeah. What are some of the things that I should expect that I probably don't know about owning this 
Bloody pony. <laughs> um, get your paddocks. Get your make sure you got power around the place. They still, they they love anything they can chew. They'll chew. So I'm not sure what. Yeah, they're chewing the fence. Yeah, my railing's yeah, yeah, going yeah, want, slowly. Yeah, you want um, so I'd put hot wires on all your on all your railing. Like literally, they will just they will just anything they can get their teeth to and chew. They will. Um, so get power on. You know, and, and if you don't have, um, you know, if you don't want to spend the money and, and hot wire all your rails, then just go down to. Um, Go down to your farming store and get a tape and reel. Those little ponies will be are happy behind a tape and reel, exactly. and you'll decide they'll, they'll keep them off all your all your nice rails. I'll just sort of set, set up little paddocks um, with your tape and rail uh, tape and battens, so it keeps them off the um, mm. keeps them off anything they can chew. Uh, you can also buy okay. products that you can rub on the rails, but they tend to chew, especially near the near the uh, troughs and bits and pieces. It's called. Oh, there's a number of products that they'll they'll have one look at that, won't touch it again. So you can also try. Also try that, um, but really with ponies, they just, they're pretty. They're, they're very very easy. Just keep them off. Stop them chewing anything they can. Um, stop them getting too fat and heavy. So that's a big big one that people just do neglect them. That once they put on too much weight, they can found it really easy. Then you're in a bit of trouble. And probably the only other thing is those twos do grow, grow quite quickly. Um, getting farriers, yeah, come out and do them. Yeah, takes a bit of a. I got a. It's a pain. I got now. a problem with that, you, mate. You want, I got a problem with that. Yeah, uh, my wife's hired the, probably the hottest farrier in Christchurch, <laughs> the hottest farrier in Christchurch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll it's just give you a bit of a heads up. It should only it should only take him about twenty minutes to buddy do. He's here for longer, longer than that. Longer than, if he's there any longer than that, I start to be a bit worried. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, Sims. Hey, listen, mate, appreciate your time. Keep up the good work at Mapley Stud, and uh, uh, we appreciate you giving us some time this morning, mate. Enjoy those Chiefs, eh? Cheers, mate. Thanks. Cheers. There you go. That is country clueless. Izzy might be clueless, but Datamar's smart farming products are clued up. Get true test active tags. When we come back, we're going to catch up with Smithy.